Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This, of course, is the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. I'm your host, Mr. James Shimo, and I am joined, of course, by my co-host, Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how are you doing, my friend? It has been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well, actually, and I do agree. So it's been a long, long time since we've been on, since we've you know gotten together. And uh, but you know what? Either way, wrestling content still keeps going. So why should we try to recap ourselves and just keep put our best foot forward? Right. Well, I mean, I, I do believe though that our our fans do deserve a bit of an explanation. And let's let's be fair, life you, tends to happen. Right. This show, as you guys know, has been a, a passion project of mine, along with Ryan. We brought in our buddy Brenton McPherson not too long ago, who's been a great friend of the show. Uh, he's been a great contributor. Love having him on. But as tends to happen, life kind of ends up just throwing these little monkey wrenches in. Every once in a while, that's not to say that those monkey wrenches are always bad. For me, I was wrapping up uh, a year of school where I was working as a teacher, and I was moving in with um, my girlfriend and my kids. As you can see, I have a brand new location set up now. Um, We've decided to transition into doing video as well as audio podcasts, which every podcast that we do will be live first right here on the Sheemanator Productions YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash Sheemanator Productions. You can also find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff as well. Just search the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. Cheap plug out of the way in that case. But as I was saying, you know, moving in with, you know, my new family and this and that, getting my new space set up, it took a little bit of time. So I do apologize for the hiatus, but I, in the long run, I do think the hiatus served us all fairly well. You've got your own irons and a lot of fires and things like that and projects that you're working on. Brenton, of course, has his own things going on as well. So I think the, the hiatus gave us some time to actually kind of reconnect, refocus, and just get our creative juices flowing again. Not unlike the subject of today's video or the today's podcast, should I say, but we yeah. will get to that momentarily but yes from now on we will be doing semi-regular shows here i'd like to say we'll try to do bi-weekly here every two weeks we will put up a new episode that you can be familiar with they may not all be related to professional wrestling they are at least not reviewing the shows and things like that because let's face it there's not a lot on wwe tv that is worthy of reviewing these days. Aside they're from sure Smash, shit not. they're sure shit. Yeah, not. <laughs> and especially with the overhauls that they're that are being made to NXT right now, and everything else that you just keep hearing about in the news, it just it's a it's a bleak time if you are a fan of quote unquote sports entertainment. I personally will stick with my love of professional wrestling, and that of course bleeds into AEW. Whether it's Dark, Dark Elevation, Dynamite, Rampage, any of their pay per views, Impact. Uh, New Japan, all of that sort of things. Those are NWA and Ring of Honor. They're doing some yes. good stuff. Especially yes. what they've been doing on the female front. Ring of Honor, they've been doing their women's ch- tournaments. I've watched a couple of matches. And I know NWA, uh, Mickey James herself, she's getting more involved with like the promotion business side of it, especially what she's doing on Impact as well. So 
Yeah. Well, and that also makes sense, uh, especially her involvement with the NWA. After all, her husband is, of course, Nick Aldis, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. So makes sense. Uh, we got Ryan Cross Project in the chat saying, glad to have you guys back. Hope to joke with you guys sometime. We would love to have you on, Ryan. We really would. Ryan, or I'm sorry, Travis. Tra that's our buddy, Travis. Travis is a good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, he also writes in the new NXT, lo NXT logo. looks like it uh, failed fit, uh, fat in the 80s, I guess, or failed federation in the 80s, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely not wrong there, Travis. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of changes coming in uh, the old big WWE area that eh, it's cringeworthy to talk about. Again, just more and more, it shows that Vince McMahon has regressed in his you know decision making all the way back to the '80s, as if he wasn't far enough back that way already. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It finally happened. The day that so many of us thought was nothing but a pipe dream has arrived. The one, the only, the second city savior, the best in the world, CM Punk, has made his return to pro wrestling. He is all elite, and he has one hell of a match set up for this coming Sunday. We are taping this on uh, August 28th, or 29th, I should say, excuse me. So this Sunday, September 5th. AEW All Out, it will be CM Punk, the best in the world, versus Darby Allen. If the pay-per-view rates for buy rates for that show were not already through the roof, they sure as hell are now. We've got a ton that we need to get through to unpack with this because I took the liberty of watching his, the media his promo on, on Rampage. I watched all of that. I watched... His, uh, I watched the post-show media scrum that they did after the show. I watched his promo on Dynamite this past Wednesday. Everything he is doing right now is firing on all cylinders. It has a ton of buzz behind it. And again, I don't blame USA Network and Fox for getting pissed at Vince McMahon for not bringing CM Punk back, for not being able to sign him, for burning that bridge with him so hard that he decided to go to the competition. But we'll get to that. Here in a few moments. First of all, Ryan, before we get into the deep dive on all these little minutia going on here, your just initial overall thoughts on the return to pro wrestling after seven and a half years, heck, almost seven years and seven months of CM Punk. Okay, my, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this, but I was, I was 100% worried at first when Darby teased that little line. On dynamite, we all oh, were. rampage, rampage, the first rampage, because it was really difficult to, to, to determine exactly if this was going to pan out itself. And even then, the Bucks and Kenny, they were doing a good job. Tony Khan, Tony Khan has proved 100 that he's willing to work with people. I especially through this forbid through the forbidden door. I mean, first off, working with Don Callis and uh, through Impact, and then reaching out to New Japan to have some talents there. I mean, right now, of course, because it's a, they're all on AEW, I can understand some of the naysayers saying that AEW is mainly benefiting from this, and you have your valid points. But at the same time, if you were in charge or 100% responsible for opening the doorway for many wrestling companies to work together and share talent to come across the doors, I can understand if you bring a talent from, let's say, Ring of Honor or Impact onto your promotion, you'd kind of book them to make sure your talent goes over. But 
what I've seen with AEW and what they've done, done, even with the talent they have through dark and dark elevation, they book them to make them look good. And they make, and even if they do have a humiliating loss, they book them so they have the continuing story, which is why at first I was worried about it. I do love the whole wins and losses record now because it is there to be a constant reminder for wrestlers to want to climb that ladder, get better. And sometimes some of the losses on their record could be something very important. Like let's say for Darby Allen, sure, he's no longer, he's not an undefeated guy, but some of his big losses this past year was, I mean, his biggest loss was a hero for Christ's sake. And Mira, who's now the TNT champion is moving that forward. But reverting back to my thoughts on CM Punk. CM Punk, yeah, his speech on Dino on Ray on Rampage, it was perfect. I mean, I can understand some people are going, oh, he could have easily laid, ripped into the WWE and buried them like crazy. But no, he just laid out all of his emotions out on the line. He he took he took he took responsibility and uh, accountability for the fact that it wasn't just the company that made his attitude sour. Sure, they were the source of the problem, but he was the one carrying all of this negativity and toxic emotions that made that he's even said he's probably burned a couple of bridges in the back as well. And I look forward to see him try to re, to to amend or be, rebuild those bridges because, of course, one wrestler in particular we know who's a part of AEW, who we who who's famously know who we well know had the biggest fall with CM Punk is Colt Cabana, so. Yep. While right now that's going to be put on ice until the time it happens, I am enjoying what they're doing with Punk right now. They're just bringing him out, getting the crowd to relish the fact that he is here, talking with him. Um, I can't remember much of the media scrum. I know you'll get into it more. But from what I saw saw with Rampage and Dynamite, Punk is 100% happy to be back. And you can tell this is Punk just wearing his emotions. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve at this point. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll we'll go ahead and we'll start breaking into this. But yeah, no, um, absolutely. Anybody who who isn't already aware, obviously there was a massive lawsuit that came down uh, on both CM Punk and Colt Cabana when they did the whole Art of Wrestling podcast uh, a while back. That was God. What was that? Twenty fifteen. So almost like six years ago. Yeah, six, yeah right? maybe a year and a half. Uh, a year, maybe a year and a half off of him being released. Yeah, so like 2015, 2016-ish. But um, but the point is, is uh, they got in hot water with WWE Dr. Chris Amon. They went through this whole lawsuit together. Uh, apparently, there was a miscommunication between the two over who was covering what in terms of legal bills and things like that, which led to a lawsuit between the two, which got settled. Um, obviously, again, there may still be pre-existing bad blood, but I'll get into kind of what was going on in the media scrum because I, I believe – Punk addressed that in there somewhere. But let's go ahead and start this off. So we start things off on AEW Rampage, the second episode ever, live in Chicago. And right away, they just get it out of the way because they knew. They knew that if they didn't do this now, they'd be hearing CM Punk chants throughout the entire night. Not a damn match would go by where it wasn't just being rained on by CM Punk chants. It would have made everybody else feel like a bunch of jackasses. Because then be like, nobody's here for us. They're all here for this. Let's just give it to them first. So that way, everybody can enjoy the matches. Nobody else has to feel like their thunder is being stolen. I mean, the best example I can see is, uh, is WWE, obviously. Uh, WrestleMania after uh, after WrestleMania 28. There was some When the news was released that Brock Lesnar was coming back, there were 
yeah. sparingly some Brock Lesnar chance throughout the entire Raw afterwards. Despite there were some good returns, some good show-ups, but everybody's main focus was Brock Lesnar. And even when Cena went out there to do his little promo about The Rock, what do we hear? Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar. And WWE is terrible at booking or at least trying to hide returns, honestly. They're terrible at this. The only one who's ever successfully been good at that is Jericho and The Rock. And they do it when people are least expecting it. Yeah, I mean, I, even though it was hinted at, I'd, I'd say the Edge return at uh, the 2020 Royal Rumble was handled well. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that one was. But again, well. it's it's very few and far between. But in any case, again, uh, cult of personality hits. Which, come on, if you didn't think Tony Khan was going to fork over the money for the rights to that, you're He's a freaking. Not Vince. He is not a cheapskate like Vince. Okay. No. Tony Khan's got money to burn, and he is all about keeping his his talent happy, which is, again, something that CM Punk touches on later. But, again, cult of personality hits. You know, everybody's like, okay, is this really happening, or is MJF just fucking with us? You know, this, that, the or the crowd, other. Bro, that crowd was incredible. Oh, the crowd was electric from Jump Street. But as soon as, as, soon as he comes through that tunnel and the camera gets a close-up on him, that whole arena exploded. Everybody, like, there were people crying in the audience, which again, I know some people say, you know, yeah, the guy's like, it, it, it's wrestling. It's this, that, and the other. But when you dedicate yourself to something like that, there were people crying when edge returned from his injury, because that was a major thing. He, yeah. like he was told, if you try to keep doing this, you will end up in a wheelchair. There well, is no ways about it. When Daniel Bryan yeah. and Paige both had to return for neck in neck problems, there are people in the crowd crying too. And I follow Paige on Twitch. When she was with her fans, she even replayed some of her old wrestling videos for her, her Twitch followers. One of them was the one she retired. And there were people in the Twitch chat, which I was in as well, talking about how much it hurt them. And it got her and it got her to tear up as well. So oh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, not just with wrestling, but if you're a sports fan and a sports player you love either retires. Or he comes back for one more go. Aren't you gonna lose your shit crying, or, or you know, with being over overflowing with emotion? I mean, yeah. so it's a, it's very stupid in my in my opinion. It's very stupid to direct this kind of negativity towards wrestling fans who were there at the Union Center shedding a tear for CM Punk returning. You need to look at exactly what sport you follow and how passionate you are about that sport. If you're gonna criticize wrestling, you shouldn't judge that. I'm not going to exactly. judge someone who's a fan of football in Europe, and they are very passionate fans in Europe. Especially. Oh yes. So I'm not going to judge them on who they on, on the sport they follow. Same here in this country. I won't judge anyone who follows the NFL or the NBA or or MLB. I'm not judging you guys. So don't try to do, throw that judgment back on me. Exactly. And you, there's not a damn person out there who can't tell me that they never got emotionally invested in a TV show or a movie or anything like that to where it, it tugged on their heartstrings and they got a little misty eyed because if somebody is out there who will tell me that I will show you a freaking liar. But in any case, uh, let's see. Uh, we got another, uh, we got another comment here from Travis says, AEW is the only wrestling I watch now. I may just dump Peacock on principle. Actually give me five minutes. Okay. I mean, you don't have to dump it for just WWE. I mean, there's some good television shows on Peacock, but if that's, Oh yeah, I was watching, I've been binging two and a half men all day. I love Peacock. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a ton of good stuff there. there. No, they got both the Bad Boys movies on Psych. I'm definitely on Peacock, so I'm definitely watching those movies. Oh, yeah. They got the John Wick films, the Wizarding World films. They got the Fast and the Furious films, or at least a handful of them. So there's a lot of content to really appreciate about Peacock. Don't just do it based on WWE. And there's a lot of value for that dollar. So, hey, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
But in but any I case, can but I can understand if you just sign up for simply WWE and you're not interested anymore. That's some of my right. thing with some Netflix with some Netflix properties. Like, is there some shows on Netflix that's worth me watching this, even though I can find most of these movies cycling on any other program? You know. <laughs> yeah, but in any case, as we were saying, yeah. so obviously Punk comes out, and as soon as he hits his knees on the ramp, you can see oh the emotion all over his face. And what that face and what that expression said to me was, I know I missed this. I just really didn't know how much until this moment. Exactly. And he even, he even references that later on, and we'll get to that. But, of course, he, he takes his time. He soaks it in. It's a Chicago crowd. It's his hometown. He's just he's basking in the moment. You know, It's not like Keith Lee basking in his own glory, but he is basking in the glory of, what this now means to him with his creative juices flowing again with his fire reignited, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. So he makes his way down to the ring. They run out of music. They don't requeue it up. They just kind of let him go slap hands with fans and this and that. 90 seconds later, out of a uh, out of an ad break, we come back. Punk's just standing in the ring, and I love the first line out of his mouth. Boy, you guys really know how to make a guy feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. Because oh, I'm like, that was great. First line out of his mouth, he's putting over a younger talent who is a major star in her own right and, and making sure she gets a rub off of his name. I love mega, that. Mega fucking star, honestly. Oh, um, hell yes. But And it does goes to show um, – and one thing we, I did enjoy about Punk, him coming down the ring, when he got to that base part of the – the base of the ramp, He's just hugging fans in there. And then there was fans. He looks across. Some of the fans are like, Shane, come on, hug us. But he just runs and dives on those crowd fans. dives, which uh, the crowd security dives. guy freaking hated. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was so that. upset about that. Just me watching that scene, the security guard, he's like, what? what? No, no, get back in here. <laughs> it's hilarious. And some of, the, some of the signs that were in there, like, if punk is here, we riot. Like, that's great. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. The one. The one that got me, somebody's holding up a sign that says 2,766 days. That's how long it's been since we've seen CM Punk on a national wrestling promotion. And more importantly, that shows you the dedication of the following that a lot of these guys have for CM Punk. He was the one who he called himself a long time ago, the voice of the voiceless. The ones like us who were chanting for WWE. Make a change. Do something different. Give us a reason to care. Exactly. And they just didn't do it. And now finally, that beacon of hope, that person that we identified with, the one who reignited our passion for this business, was finally back. Yeah. And, and I, I tell you, it was great. That was, that was beautiful. And one thing I do will say, not just – I'm going to be objective at first. I can understand there are some wrestling fans out there who don't see the appeal of Punk. And I understand that he comes off maybe as an average guy to you guys. And maybe, maybe if you watch some of his matches, maybe he just didn't he didn't get you going like watching guys like Batista or John Cena, Undertaker, Kane, uh, or even some of the other talent like Ziggler, Rey Mysterio, um, or Ricochet. I can understand that maybe Punk was not for you guys, and maybe you just wouldn't understand the appeal. But even then... That time, when he, when he dropped that pipe bomb, let's not forget. I mean, that time around 2012, no, 2011, that was WWE yeah. during this time of the height of PG era, where it was nothing but short matches, 
con consistent backstage skits, which they're still doing today, but it was more to where they were shoving down our throats. And this at the time, this was John Cena, where everyone was hating him. The Cena, let's go Cena, Cena sucks chance. You were barely getting new stars to go for that championship. And as much as I like R-Truth, that time when they were pushing R-Truth as that heel character, that was the only legitimate time he was seen as a contender. After that, pushed down to the mid-card and made it as a joke again. Now, he works well, but it's just one of those examples. Because in, in around that time, there were so many young guys you could have brought up. Instead of constantly giving us Cena Orton for the fifth time, or giving us, uh, or this was around the time with the when they when they killed the Nexus. This was it six months after they killed the Nexus too. So, yep, you do see that around the time people were frustrated. Vince had an opportunity around 2010 to build up a great new role, a new lineup of young stars that he could at least help circulate the mid card and the upper level to keep having every title fresh. But he wasn't doing that. And so when CM Punk made that pipe bomb, he it wasn't more like a wake-up call. This was just finally him telling what everyone else was thinking, even though he was a bit of a heel and he was shooting at those fans. But it changed nothing. And, the, and then moving forward, seeing how Punk was able to at least be a different kind of champion that WWE produced was fantastic. And when he was let go, one of the biggest – Honestly, as much as Vince wants to say, oh, I didn't expect that was going to happen, it's still one of the biggest middle fingers, the biggest fuck you to everybody out there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Going from my personal standpoint, Punk being back is, and the fans being there, is one. it is proof that when you have wrestling fans that care, not just about wrestling alone, but about a certain, about, about a wrestler that inspired them, and that a company like AEW was able to not only facilitate Punk's return, but to let him know that you can come back and work as many dates as you want, however you want. Because one thing everyone keeps forgetting about AW, not everyone, not all the wrestlers under their contract are obligated to be at Dynamite all the time. Some of them are there to wrestle dark matches, to be on AEW Dark or Dark Elevation. Some will be on Dynamite. And now with AEW Rampage, it's another platform for wrestlers who've been on Dark and Dark Elevation to get some TV time on Rampage, even though it's an hour show. Yeah. So, and the fact that Punk is going to be able, and the fact that Punk said in his, uh, in his pro, in his speech, I got the time. I'm Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So knowing that Punk has the time, he's gonna be there. Either I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I don't know exactly how passionate he's gonna be. He's gonna be like Thunder Rosa passionate to where Thunder Rosa, she's almost there every day, either working a match or like a couple weeks ago on dark, a couple dark, she's been there on commentary. Like, like yeah, that is something I'm looking forward to with Punk, seeing exactly how passionate he is and how much of his word he's going to keep when it comes to this. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and keep moving forward here. So Punk starts off legitimately by saying, hey, this isn't scripted. I had no clue what I was going to come out here and say tonight because I didn't know how I was going to feel. But he said he needed to feel it. He needed to hear it. And, you know, he heard. He heard the CM Punk chants for seven-plus years. He heard it. He recognized it. And he mentions, again, like you said, I've got the time. Wednesday, Friday, a couple of Saturdays and Sundays a year. And he later confirmed that he is on a full-time contract with AEW uh, in that post-show media scrum, which I thought was great. Uh, he, again, mentions why he left WWE. And I, I love this. And he, and he brings it up and he addresses it right from the get-go because he knows there are some people out there who thought, 
oh, you know, you took your ball and went home. You're a quitter or a quieter, as he called it in the Art of Wrestling podcast. But he says, if at all, through my journey, any of my personal choices or decisions related to my life made you feel disappointed or let down, let me just say, I understand. If you all try to understand that I was never going to get healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, staying in the same place that got me sick in the first place, which yeah. I thought was a great, great shot at WWE. It's just like, yeah, those guys are the ones who made me sick and tired of doing this. Not anymore. And I'm definitely not going back there because I'd be put right back in the same position, yeah. which I thought and was great. We have, and I will say with Punk, he, he brings a great example of not just um, – wrestlers in general, people who have certain jobs that they left in the past in a certain industry. And of course they go back to it and they think things are going to be different and finding out, Oh, nothing's changed as much. I've, I've had jobs to where I have, even though I've left on a seasonal basis and then I come back and think, okay, maybe there's some things have changed. Maybe it's going to be more opportunity, more, uh, more, more, more times to work. Like they're going to focus more on your hard work and experience than just more of coming in and thinking, oh, you have this sort of degree or you have this life experience and we're going to push you up, you know. But, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a side person. It's only a personal sidebar. But ultimately in, you do see a punk, not just a punk example, but so many wrestlers that were fired or released from WWE and then come back later, expect, and we're all expecting them to, give, be, to be given grand pushes to where they'll be big stars. Best example, EC3. When he was re released during the early days of NXT, he makes a big name for himself on Impact. He comes back, all the NXT crowd was chanting his name. And unfortunately, his run at NXT did not work as well as everyone thought it was going to be. Then he gets pushed to the main roster, and he's told to do the one thing that makes him so good, talk. He was mute throughout his entire time on the main roster. And then yeah. another example... Um, Oh, Drew McIntyre. Sure, he comes oh, back. He gets a good run in NXT being pushed as a big monster of a, of a wrestler. But when he's on the main roster, he's, he's not immediately thrown into a title picture. He's made as the muscle to Dolph Ziggler. Of course, he gets a tag belt. But that's not – but we, but from what we've all seen with Drew in, in, uh, in the British circuit and in Impact, he is, he's not meant to be the muscle. He's meant to be the, the main eventer. And he fits and physically, he fits everything Vince is looking for. But you know, Vince is Vince. He wants to continue with his Roman experiment. So finally, as much as I hated 2020, that freaking shut, even though Drew was booked to go to WrestleMania and win, it's still just like with Seth Rollins on WrestleMania 35. All it would have taken was Vince to change his mind, and that experiment would have gone right down the toilet. Unlike yep. here with Punk, and, and he and in Punk's lines, it's, it's, it, it expresses the same thing. Vince is not going to change, so don't stay in a spot for so long where you think things are going to get any better, no matter what the boss, or no, matter, or, no, or no matter what you think the agents are telling you. Absolutely. I, I can I share a personal experience. Um, I worked a job for a company that I will not mention because they will sue me, um, but I worked there for about a year. And one day I, uh, at, at some point they just stopped scheduling me. Like I'm, I'm a guy trying to work two to three jobs to try to make ends meet. And they literally just stopped scheduling. They scheduled me one day in a course of like two weeks, one eight hour day. And I'm like, 
what did I do something to piss somebody off? Like what's going on? And then one of the days that I, that they did schedule me, they scheduled me, but asked me to do the jobs of four people because they decided to cut the schedule back because they didn't want to pay the labor cost. And I said, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need to do this anymore. I'm in a position where I can tell you guys, this ain't cool. I'm out of here because I'm not putting up with this nonsense anymore. And I walked out. I quit that day because I was sick of it. I wasn't going to be treated like that anymore. And I attribute a lot of that to Sam Punk walking out because it was literally around the exact same time. Punk walked out in in uh, January of 2014. I left, yeah, that job. I left that job in May of 2014 because I was sick of being taken advantage of. But in any case, let's get off that uh, that train and let's keep moving. So Punk goes into this thing. He says, you know, can I tell you guys a story? Then he says, okay, wait, it's hot in here. He takes off the, the hoodie that he's got on. He's got the new shirt. Back in the back, it says, I was there. And you know they were selling those at the arena. There was no way they weren't. Um, he then, you know, he, sa he says it again, can I tell you a story? He sits cross-legged in the ring, which gets a huge pop, although I'm sure Malachi Black was backstage going, that's my shtick, asshole. <laughs> then he goes in to the story of August 13th, 2005, when he left Ring of Honor. And he mentions that, you know, I left and I was crying coming out for my last match in Ring of Honor because I knew that I was leaving. And I knew, and this is, here's the quote. He said, I had made a place where people could come work, get paid, learn their craft and love professional wrestling. And he goes into all of this because he mentions how he knew where he was going. It would be very difficult for a guy like him there. And in his mind, August 13th, 2005, he left professional wrestling and he goes on to say, August 20th, 2021, I'm back. because, And then that's a big, another just shot right to WWE saying, you're not professional wrestling. I didn't, I didn't leave pro wrestling when I left you. I just decided to leave shitty sports entertainment, which I thought was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Absolutely. Uh, we got another comment from our buddy Travis here. It says, uh, CM Punk's pipe bomb equals shot across WWE's bow. That was completely ignored. Yeah, it kind of was. They willfully ignored that so hard. Yep. Just yeah. like they willfully ignored the yes movement for the longest time. Yeah. That just goes to show, uh, I mean, it's just a prime example of Vince, when it comes to this creative power and wanting to connect with the audience, he wants to connect with them on his terms, on what he created. He hit Exactly. And so many wrestlers have said in interviews that whenever they do something that gets organically over, that gets or, that makes them organically connect to the crowd, they are unintentionally punished for it. Not unintentionally, just intentionally. It's like, we don't want you in this position. You shouldn't be in this position. Stop it. And the way we stop it is by burying you. I guess what I meant unintentionally, I meant from the wrestler's perspective, they didn't try to get themselves right. They, they just, just because it just ended up happening. It was an accident. It was a, yeah. it just a complete accident. And they're just like, well, sorry, but you got over without permission. Screw you, you know, yeah. which is sad. But in any case, uh, so Punk goes on to talk up the young talent in AEW. He says, uh, I sit back and I say, well, hell, they're there now. So why aren't you here? I am. So he goes, yeah, basically he says, I'm here because I see a lot of young talent who have a lot of you know, passion and everything that I used to have before, you know, Vince McMahon killed it. And mm -hmm. then he says there's some scores to settle in the locker room. I assume he's talking about Jericho because they had that whole thing uh, built up. 
towards WrestleMania with the whole drinking angle and this and that. Um, I also That's imagine why. he might be he might be talking about Colt Cabana. I don't know. Too. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, he also says he then brings up Darby Allen, who obviously mentioned him. We then pan to see Darby Allen and Sting in the rafters. He starts to talk up Darby Allen, all the stuff he's done, jumping out of planes, getting thrown over the top rope in a body bag, chucked down the stairs. But he says there's nothing you can do that is more dangerous than wrestling CM Punk except wrestling CM Punk in Chicago. And then confirms that he and Darby Allen will be facing each other at All Out. And he then says to the crowd, listen, I know seven years is a long time to wait for somebody, and I appreciate that. So... As a thank you, on your way out of the United Center tonight, pick yourself up an ice cream bar on me. And I was like, that's hilarious. And the fact that they then cut to the announce table and JR, Excalibur, Taz, they've all got CM Punk ice cream bars, I thought was hilarious. And I will bring this up. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, because there was a video that just came, or that I just watched a little bit earlier. It showed what happened when Rampage went off the air this past Friday. And it's uh, Punk, Christian Cage, and Kaz all in the ring together. And it was it was so fun to watch them just jawjacking back and forth. Christian seems really happy to see CM Punk there. But Christian makes the, makes the mention. is like, I didn't get an ice cream bar. And Punk's like, what? You didn't get one last week? What, what happened? And he says, don't worry. They'll be selling them at all out. And Christian's like, yeah, that's how you hook them. And, I'm like, and Punk's like, yeah, you know, that's how I get you. You know, I give you the first one free, and then I make you pay for the next one. Uh, it's, I got I to gotta keep buying for my dog. I think another great bit. I think another great thing you brought up was that after the whole thing with Punk and the ice cream bars, the reports I, I came across a report that said Punk paid for yep. all the ice cream bars. He footed the bill, not Con. Yeah, he paid Punk. the entire tab for it. He did. Yes, and it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that ice. Whoever was at the whoever was selling those ice cream bars at the United Center. I don't know if they got themselves a good tip, but business was good for them. <laughs> oh hell yeah, absolutely. All right. So then uh, we move into the post-show media scrum from the end of that uh, from the end of that uh, episode of Rampage, and there was a lot to talk about. Uh, he also, uh, as Punk's uh, sitting there kind of talking, he says, uh, you know, maybe I ought to go through uh, my social media to see if I blocked any of these guys on Twitter, the, obviously referring to the, the media personalities who are going to be asking him questions because he obviously <laughs> wants to make sure he doesn't need to block anybody again. Um but yeah, Tony and Punk confirm his full-time status. Uh, not much else. Uh, he said uh, Punk said he thought he was going to cry a lot more. He was hoping people still cared. Uh, he legitimately needed to feel the reaction from the crowd that would fuel his words tonight. Didn't script the darn thing, which I think is cool. Uh, he then says that he and Tony Khan had been talking for at least a year and a half. They knew they weren't going to bring him back without any fans because that would just be a waste. They knew it had to be the exact right moment and just a lot of what they called quote unquote happy accidents happened in order to get them to the point where they were at, which I thought was, you know, just great. Um, yeah, it was kind of like how, when uh, Cody talked about, uh, I remember from a talk of Jericho interview about Brody Lee and how the, the main plan was to get Brody Lee's debut to be in his hometown of Rochester and to have that big pop there. And then of course what 2020 happened, I mean, we all know the biggest, the biggest negative when it came to wrestling was to, of 2020 was being robbed of Brody Lee. I mean, yeah. and that was unfortunate. And that was his year, I will say. The work he did with Dark Order, that squash match with Cody Rhodes. It's one of those examples of how AEW is able to take a former WWE talent, give them a platform to where they can work, they can have the creativity to work with whoever they wanted and succeed. 
Because I'll be honest, the Dark Order, they were slowly getting their wheels back up and running. But once Brody Lee joined them and they were able to change Brody's character from being a Vince McMahon parody to his own little character with the with, with throwing the papers, it got mm-hmm. the Dark Order so super over. So over that even yeah. they were taking up so much time on BTE than the Bucks, honestly. That's how over the Dark Order was. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Uh, Travis pipes in again. He says, look on Tony Khan's face when a reporter brought up CM Punk doing commentary. Yeah, there was a bit of that in the post-show media scrum where some people were asking about that. Punk said, you know, for the most part, it's going to be in-ring stuff. But if in the course of doing that, he needs to be on commentary to sell a feud or whatever, he was more than willing to do that. So uh, it it goes to show he's all in on this whole (laughs) – all in, sorry. Uh, A little pun there for those of you guys who who, uh, recognize that. But uh, let's keep going. Uh, Punk said that he was extremely nervous to go out there and uh, that the nerves meant to him that he actually cared again. He actually gave a shit and that he actually started to love the business again, which I thought was a great line. Um, Punk says he hasn't been doing really anything different than his usual gym regimen. Uh, He's been working out in his basement, this, that, and the other. Brings up the fact that he's not going to be doing anything new or fancy in his first match back. Wants the fans to really see that he's still, you know, the same guy. The guy that left is the same guy they got back. He's not trying anything new. He's not reinventing the wheel or anything, which I thought was great. Um, He uh, kind of smart, honestly. Slowly get himself back into the the act, the physical, the rust of the ring. You know, like get him back into that uh, into that motion. So then, when he is comfortable, then he can try to experiment a little bit. Right. Exactly right. Uh, let's see. He, uh, Punk has asked how this moment compares to Money in the Bank. He says it felt way more organic because, you know, uh, everything he did in WWE up to that point, was a, it felt like a fight uh, to actually get anything uh, approved, get things put over, this, that, and the other. So uh, he said that the, the moment, this moment tonight didn't need to be overproduced, didn't need a ton of people's input. Uh, and he said this one didn't feel like a job. It didn't feel like work. It was just something that was organic, which it absolutely was. Um, he's at, uh, Punk asked pretty much, you know, he's asked why now, whose idea were the ice cream bars that he gave away? Uh, basically he says the ice cream bars were my idea. It was his way of thanking the fans. And he says that the time was right. And this is an actual quote from him. He says, uh, I didn't know how long it was going to take for me to heal, you know? And then this came along and credit to everybody involved in AEW. It reminded me of places I used to work that I loved where it was not about, it was just more about the spirit of the thing, you know? And this, instead of feeling like a house, it felt like a home, which I thought was a great, great analogy. And it shows that, you know, AEW really is, you know, it's an indie fed, but with money backing it up, really. You know, it's got all these people, you know, it's it's got so many people jazzed up about the pro wrestling industry. I mean, you look at guys like Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks who realized, yeah, we could go to WWE, but we wouldn't be happy there. You know, we wouldn't be creatively fulfilled there. You know, you look at guys like Kenny Omega who said the same thing. You look at guys who have jumped ship from WWE to AEW, like Moxley, like Brody Lee, like Christian Cage, like Paul White, like Mark Henry, like Malachi Black. You know, all of these guys who are sick and tired of being strangled to death. Like, it's almost like once you sign that WWE contract, you get a big old chain around your neck and you've got no freedom to do anything. You know, it's it's, it's it's a literal dog leash. It's a figurative, it's a theoretical dog leash to where you're being pulled in the direction they want you to, and then the moment you want to try to make a step away and maybe find a better path to go down, you're cut. You, you're immediately stopped in your tracks. Yeah, exactly right. 
Uh, and then uh, Punk is asked, you know, about uh, dark and dark elevation. Would he appear there? Do commentary, anything like that? He says there's nothing specific in his contract about it, but he won't rule anything out. Uh, is asked about the match with Darby Allen at All Out. Uh, brings up the that he dropped Britt Baker's name at the very beginning because he wanted to put help put her over because he felt like she deserved it. Uh, says that Tony Khan pitched the match with Darby. Uh, says he did a Twitter Q&A not too long ago and was asked who he'd like to work with, and Darby was on that list. And he loves that uh, Darby has grown, how much Darby's grown in the last few years and how popular he's gotten yeah. and all of that sort of thing. So I think that's great. Um Eventually, Punk, uh, he's then asked, he's asked to elaborate on the whole concept of the quote-unquote happy accidents that brought him to AEW. Uh, he says, you know, it was basically a very relaxed process. He didn't feel forced or pressure. There was no ever like, hey, do this. You know, they weren't leaning on him the way Vince would have and this and that. Uh, and he says, you know, as far as working in AEW, and this is a quote from him, this is not my words. He says, uh, nobody's standing on their own dick. They just let stuff happen. And I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. You know, don't get in your own way, which I, I think is a great examples in AEW where we've seen where nobody only maybe two or three examples of AEW having to kill something that was getting up that that was not working out. Other than that, they they allow all the wrestlers to have such freedom with their characters, either on the during the dark pro, during the dark programs, now with dark elevation, even on BTE, even though BTE is sort of kind of like a an outside of the whole sphere, but even then, some of, like even the BT for store best example, uh, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, when they were being a tag team, then they broke up, and then they were feuding with each other. The BTE storyline was doing a good job of trying of showing the tension between those two. So when they did mm -hmm. split, the initiative did split. They started build between the two of them. And they even used certain um, dusty finishes that at the time during their first year they weren't using, like countouts or disqualifications or referee stoppage. Like they were using those yeah. to sell the story. So when Brandon Cutler finally got that first win in AEW, that meant something. It wasn't just yeah. like, oh, it's another, it, you got your first victory. No, Brandon Cutler, who was like nearly 50 losses in AEW during that time, gets his first overall victory. And then a couple weeks later on, Peter Avalon rebrands re his character, and he gets a victory. And now look at what he's doing. He's got his own stable, the Wingmen. And Brandon Cutler, he's becoming the stooge to the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And you do see yeah. how creatively these guys are working. Like, those yeah. are two good examples. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Travis brings up in the chat, uh, the Bucks going to WWE would equal Generation Me 2.0. You're probably not wrong. Uh, that's a very sad thing. Uh, Travis they, also they, says they, they, they probably mostly focused on how much the the Hardys influenced the Bucks, to where they try to make them the Hardy Boys 2.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Travis says the term "wind and dined" was thrown around. It, I think, unless I misheard. No, you're absolutely right. You know, um, Punk kind of when he talked about the contract negotiations and the proceedings uh -huh. of getting him signed, he mentioned. You know, uh, he said he. I believe he said. Uh, some girls are easy to get into bed. I'm not. Uh, I like to be wine and dine a little bit, and that's what happened. And I'm just like, hey, you know, whatever works for you, dude. Use whatever analogy you want. Um, I'll be honest. Punk, there have been, there have been like better wrestlers who did the same thing during the times of WCW and WWE. I mean, WWF, sure. Some were able to jump ship through certain phone calls, but I'm pretty sure certain wrestlers wanted to get the whole wine and dine experience. You know, like have that nice steak dinner and then do that handshake that handshake deal with either Bischoff or with Ted Turner or with Vince McMahon. They go, this is how I'm going to be treated? Good. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, Punk is then asked if AEW had to prove anything to him before he signed, and that uh, uh, and Tony Khan is then asked about the, uh, his side of the deal and everything that went into that. Uh, Punk says, you know, nobody really had to prove anything to him. It was it was about him being open to the idea. He didn't really had, you know, it was more about him dipping a toe in the water rather than anybody having to prove anything. Uh, he yeah. says that uh, Renee Paquette, formerly Renee Young, for those of you who aren't familiar with her, her real name, uh, he says that she kind of opened his eyes to the idea of working with good people, especially, you know, with mocks and everything else that was going around. Uh, he took a wait and see kind of attitude. And when he waited and saw, he liked what he saw. Uh, and then Tony's just like, yeah, whatever he just said, you know, is pretty much it. Um, you know, the pandemic kind of lengthened the discussion process in regards to the deal and building that anticipation, which they both thought was, uh, was a, was a good thing for not just the product, but for their, their contract negotiations, because it, it took a lot of the pressure off. They didn't feel like it was a, a need to get an immediate deal done, which I think was good. Um, and I do appreciate that. Like punk really wasn't trying to be in a rush. Uh, Sure, he probably maybe it could have been te- he could have been teased during the time when they were at Daly's place, and then it could have it could start this whole months long like uh rumor uh rumor mill of punk coming to AEW. But no, he decided to be you know, I'm gonna yeah, dip his toe in, maybe check out a few shows and programs, just check out a few programs, see what they're doing. Not just, uh, and I understand most likely from his the, the media scrums, he could have just gone mainly off of Tony Khan's word through their uh, talks with each other. But, you know, he wanted to make sure, like, he's watching the product and seeing exactly that what Khan and Paz uh, had been talking to him about, that what he was promised, or maybe or mainly what he was going to be offered coming to AEW. And yeah. he liked that. He, was, he wanted to take his time with this. He, doesn't, he wasn't just going to go, oh, wait, you guys are being more successful? You're going to pay me more than WWE? Sign me up. No, it wasn't going to be like WCW to where just come and we'll give you a big-ass contract. Yeah. Uh, uh, Punk was also asked how they kept it a secret, quote unquote, uh, and was Cult of Personality ever not an option for his entrance music? Punk says no way. It was always going to be Cult of Personality. Uh, talks about how you know he he respected that AEW managed to keep Brody Lee's secret, you know, about his illness and everything. How you know it really kind of kept talked there, kind of caught everybody off guard when that kind of kind of happened. He also claims that, you know, him being there was kind of the worst kept secret in the business, but it was kind of designed that way because they wanted the speculation. They wanted the rumors. They wanted the hype. They wanted the will he, won't he kind of situation. Uh, and they didn't advertise them ahead of time because it would have ruined the moment. You know, they, they wanted that organic reaction of the first time him being there being a quote unquote shock, if you will. So I think that's a very important note as well. Uh, Punk is also asked if he's strictly an in-ring talent. Or does he have more in mind for his role? Uh, he says, Punk says, I'll do uh, whatever he feels he needs to do. You know, it's not so much that he's got anything. You know, he doesn't need to be given the title of a producer in order to help somebody put a spot together or put a, or help to, you know, lay out a match or anything like that. And he's not concerned about wins and losses. It's not about his ego or anything like that. It's about, you know, working with the young talent, putting over the company and putting over the young talent who deserve it, which is something that, again, we all know WWE refused to do. Again, he didn't say that. That's my editorializing. Um, yeah, Punk, uh, somebody then asked him about uh, what got him to fall back in love with wrestling again. He says he never really hated pro wrestling. He hated sports entertainment, which, again, don't blame him. Um, Tony Khan is asked uh, why they decided not to promote Punk, but also not to outright deny him. Uh, and then uh, they also asked Punk if, his issue, if he has issues with anyone 
in AEW, and if he did, have they been smoothed over? Uh, Tony Khan says that they wanted to build, the again, like I mentioned before, the Willie-Won't-He kind of scenario, uh, and I wanted to sell out the building, which is kind of what they used in order, it was that will-they-won't-they they kind of anticipation that helped to sell out the building. And Punk says he didn't have a single problem with anyone backstage when he walked in today. Um, he said it's a positive night, and he's not going to try to bring it down with, you know, speculation about bad blood or anything like that, which to me indicates maybe, maybe things have smoothed over with Colt Cabana. If he didn't have any, you know, negative interaction with him, or maybe they just didn't see each other. I don't know. Um, but we, uh, time will tell. Uh, Tony Khan is then asked about uh, any impressive moments going forward. Uh, do they have anything planned? And then Punk is asked if he is excited to be back and excited to be creating moments with, with the AEW talent. And Punk immediately drops a bunch of people, some of whom he would name drop later on. He said, specifically brings up Brian Pillman Jr., Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. Uh, brings up John Moxley, which leads me to Travis's comment here. Uh, it says, I love how he said he's never had a match with John Moxley. So, you know, which, again, <laughs> he's, yeah, it was very, very much a good, uh, a good play on things. So, yeah, uh, Punk's excited about all the people that he has the opportunity to to work with and this and that. And Tony says that he wants to create uh, a lot of indelible and incredible moments, not just with Punk, but with everybody on the AEW roster, which I think is great. I do want to take a side bit. I do love when the talent he's bringing up there. I do like that one of the names you talked about in the media scrums was Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, yeah. Because I do, I mean, of course, with Brian, and he's like, he still looks very new. Like, he's gone, he's been wrestling so far, like, three, four years professionally. Yeah, but he's still he, green. Yeah, he's still green. But even then, the way he's been booked, though, he has been put into a good light. Because um, starting on in, when he came in, of course, he had the name Brian Pillman Jr. Then he's paired with Griff Garrison, the team they have together, the Varsity Blondes. And I like how there, it's a bit of an old school aesthetic with that team, though. And you do yeah. see that. You get to see Brian Pillman in some small moments of magic as part of a tag team to the point where he's not being too exposed for being a little green. And I do like the right. fact that even when he's work, even when he wrestles solo, I, I've seen it. I think I've seen a few red matches he did on MLW. But even then, Brian Pillman Jr. shows just like so much of that young talent, so much promise and so much potential that it's hard not to look and go with, you know what? This is Brian Pillman's son. He's joining the wrestling business. He, he and he chose not to go to WWE. He's here in AW to where he can not only harness that talent, but possibly maybe down the road, depending on where his character goes, he can maybe get a similar storyline to where he adopts his dad's crazy Brian Pillman persona. So maybe, like I said, like it's a big maybe because Brian Pillman's persona has a lot of negatives more than positives with the character, though. But what I would hope. What I would hope more than anything for Brian Pillman Jr. is if he did decide to go the loose cannon route, I would hope that he has enough support not only from his biological family but from everybody else in AEW to where he doesn't fall into the same kind of dangerous mindset that his father fell into yeah. that eventually took his life. Um, so hopefully... That, that, yeah, um, like it's a dangerous route, which is why I'm thinking if he does do the If maybe, like a big maybe if he does... There are only maybe small notices, maybe little small tweaks that he'll adapt into that persona. But if not, I do like this little thing he has. I like this little partnership he has with Griff Garrison and now with Julia Hart as part of the Varsity Blondes. I, I do I do like that. Gives you the old school aesthetic while they're still being like this young team in AEW. Exactly. 
Uh, Travis brings up some good stuff in the chat. Uh, he mentions how Punk brought up that Sting found him backstage and said he's you know happy to be here. Yeah, uh, which is good work for them, which I thought was great. Uh, also, Arn Anderson basically told him, you know, you were born 13 years too late. Pretty much saying if you were born back in the uh, if we were in back in the Attitude Era, you would have been a lot more over and maybe given a lot more opportunity. And who knows? Maybe he's right. Um, I I might get the point when that thing. I agree and disagree with him because if he was during the time of the Attitude Era, what he would have said back then with that little pipe bomb, it would have just been another moment that made that was a part of the Attitude Era and not would have made Punk. Bigger than Russ. Yeah. Than the, than the by the, I would say, by the same token, can you imagine if we got a loose cannon Brian Pillman versus a pissed off CM Punk? Like, that can you imagine, would be fun. Can you imagine the level of like what would have happened at that point, you know? But in any case, um, uh, Tony Khan's then asked about Daniel Garcia, obviously somebody who's up on the rise in AEW. Punk is also asked about how the reaction he got tonight helps him kind of reflect on his legacy. Uh, Punk kind of right away says he doesn't put a lot of stock in the word legacy. Um, you know, he wishes uh, there were territories so that he could continue to learn and grow. So, you know, he could go up, you know, different places like they did back in the day, like the AWA or, you know, Mid-South or, you know, all of this other kind of stuff in order to, you know, learn his craft and get better and learn different styles. Um, he says he thinks that, you know, his legacy is to kind of help the young guys the way a lot of other veterans helped him, guys like Harley Race, guys like Terry Funk. Eddie Guerrero, Tracy Smothers, Pat Patterson, Sting. He names drop name drops all of these guys, uh, and again, that's where he kind of brings up you know Sting mentioned backstage. You know, I, I look forward to working with you. I hope, wish I can work with you in the ring, this, that, and the other. And who knows? Maybe we will get that at some point. But it all just depends on how Sting's health holds up. Uh, and then Kana says that uh, Daniel Garcia is under a very, very good agreement with them, and there is a lot of upside to him and a lot of potential, which I think is great. And then the last thing that kind of is brought up is. Punk is asked about, you know, the concept of the forbidden door. Is he interested in crossover, this, that, and the other? And then Tony's asked about, you know, being basically thanked for, you know, on Twitter for a lot by a lot of fans for saving their love of pro wrestling and what his thoughts are on that. Uh, Punk says he's an AEW guy. You know, he doesn't want to be fantasy booked against a bunch of, you know, this, that, and the other. He, he's not looking to be fantasy booked with, you know, impact guys or this or that. Um, you know, he just got back. He's not really looking to do too much too soon. Uh, but he appreciates Tony Khan because for what he's done for the wrestlers and, you know, what he's done for the concept of the wrestling business. And Punk basically says that, you know, Tony has ultimate say on where he goes and what he does. Uh, he's really wanting to sink his teeth in AEW for the time being, but that he is, you know, open to doing whatever he is asked to do by Tony Khan because obviously Tony Khan is the one who signs his paychecks in the end. And yeah. at the end of the day, he'll he'll do what he's told because he believes in the product and he believes in Tony Khan and his vision. So uh, that is the end of that, that post-show media scrum. Uh, Ryan, your overall thoughts on kind of everything that we've just gone over. I mean, uh, look, it, it was clear to me when I watched it afterwards that Punk, he was being, it wasn't like he was trying to say all this stuff, trying to be all friendly and on good terms. Hearing the tone in his voice and especially how, uh, and how like, jovial it was during that little back, during the, that interview segment. I mean, this that post-interview with the, with the media personalities, Punk's really happy to be here. And I like how when he's closing out, some people could have, kind of, could have been like, oh, he's trying to butter up Tony Khan. Like, he's putting him on a high pedestal. He's like, no. Tony Khan has proven throughout this running, throughout this throughout this time with AEW, working with Cody, working with the Bucks, working with King, working, working with them and so many of the talent, he not only just loves pro wrestling, he is wide, wide open 
to listening and to meeting in the middle. He's not yeah, trying then, to be like, my words fine. Sure, I may sign your paychecks, but I want to make sure at least you've, you're going to like this direction you're going. And if you, even if you are, let's give it a go, and then we'll try to work out something better with you down the road because we have had characters be rebranded or at least revamped, re like a soft reboot. So yeah. Tony is w willing to work with the talent. Yeah, which I think is a good transition into Punk's Dynamite promo from this past Wednesday. But before we get into that, uh, Travis also says, I love how nobody asked in the po media post-show about Max Caster. Oh, yeah, God. I think I mean, even if they did, I think Tony would have just misdirected us. Like, uh, you know, we're having discussions with Max. Um, obviously, you know, this, that, or the other, but we'll move on from that. Uh, it's not anything it's being dealt with. That's all the more you need to know. I mean, you he's, know, he's, in, a, he's in a hole right now. Max Caster's in a yeah. hole, and he's going to have to – it's not like with Sammy Guevara during earlier on where uh, right. Sammy, was, Sammy was man enough to at least, you know, try to work his way out of it. Max Caster, it, it looks like he's stuck there until things blow over or until he's man enough to step up and go, I fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, then we move to Dynamite. Obviously, Tony Khan – or not Tony Khan. Tony Schiavone is in the ring. He calls out CM Punk to the ring. Again, great reaction, even in Milwaukee, which is great. Um, asked Punk, you know, what brought you back to AEW? Or what, what, why now? What brought you back to pro wrestling? And, of course, it's so loud in there. Punk just goes, I can't hear you, Tony. And, again, he's just playing it up to the crowd, which is great. He's got them wrapped around their – he's got the entire crowd wrapped around his little finger. It's great. Uh, eventually, they do get to the point where, you know, he asks him again, you know, what is it? Why now? What brought you back to pro wrestling? Why AEW? He, he, uh, here, uh, Punk hears a guy in the crowd mention Darby Allen. He says, yeah, that the guy over there just I heard, said like, so many thrown out names like Darby Allen. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, Jungle Boy was thrown out there. Yeah, Jungle Boy, yep. Yeah. Jungle Boy was thrown out. He said uh, Penta El Zero, Ray Phoenix, Jungle Boy, all of those guys. But he says the name at the top of the list is Darby Allen. And he says, you know, I take a look at a guy like Darby Allen and all the other young talent here in AEW, and I wonder, can CM Punk still go? And he yeah. brings up everything that Darby's been doing. He brings up everything that, you know, the company's been doing. He brings up that, you know, at, if CM Punk was still 15 years old, this and that, and he saw Darby Allen on AEW Dynamite, he'd probably be his favorite wrestler. He's not the guy who fits the typical mold. He's not 6'4". He's not jacked to the gills. He's not, yeah. you know probably on a bunch of juice or anything like that. He's just a guy doing his thing. He rides a skateboard. He wears face paint. He has tattoos. He's just a guy. And that's what appeals to him most about Darby Allen. And then he's, he again, again mentions, I see the young talent. I see guys like Darby Allen. And I ask myself the questions, can you still go? Can you still be the best? Can you still be the best in the world? And, you know, obviously that triggers a big, big reaction from the crowd. And we all know exactly what it is. Those yes chants. Yes, yes, yes. And he doesn't shy away from it. Oh, at so all. good. So Not good. a bit. Like, um, he leans. Tony Schiavone's got the mic right next to, go, next to his face. He goes, That's somebody else's shtick. And you might be, you just need to be a little bit more patient. The entire arena goes nuts, which I thought was great. And he says, You know, this Sunday at All Out, uh, or this coming Sunday, September 5th at All Out. It's less about proving the haters wrong and more about proving myself right that I can still go, Darby. And then he, of course, uh, says hello to his wife, AJ Lee, uses her uh, real name, April, which, again, I love that she called him out for it on Twitter. It's less like, oh, well, I didn't expect to hear my government name today. Thanks, hon. And it's just, 
It was hilarious. And you can tell, you can tell their relationship even seven years later is still just as rock solid as it's ever been. They support each other. They love each other. And it's just great. Yeah. I would say, hang on. Travis brings it up here in the, in the chat. He goes, I thought it was funny that he was about to leave and went back to give his wife a shout out. Like he almost forgot. Yeah. That's, <laughs> kind, of, that's kind of how he acted, which was great. Uh, uh, and Because yeah, I, I, I will say one thing about that moment. There were a couple of fans I came across on Reddit when I perused there. And some of them were like, wait, was that a tease that she's going to show up here? I'm just like, maybe he just did it because he wanted to. I mean, yeah, like, no, like people were reading too much in the other than that Daniel Bryan tease, he, he he didn't do he's not trying to tease any other wrestler that's gonna be following him. And besides no. AJ Lee, she is good where she's at. Yeah, uh, she's, she's doing just fine with her book tours and everything else that she's got going on. She I'm sure she's she's trying to put together yep. a television pilot with her writing partner, Amy Garcia. Like she yep. is good. <laughs> yeah, hey, I would say April is AJ Lee, aka April Mendez, she is just fine. There is nothing she needs to do. Matter of fact, she's probably more than content working from home and taking care of their dog. If if Punk doesn't take him backstage to every show he goes to. But <laughs> in the end, the bottom line is CM Punk is back. We've got the big match set for AEW All Out September 5th, this coming Sunday. Uh, but I will say this. There was one other interesting thing that I thought was great. I, I mentioned before the yeah. whole thing with him and Christian Cage and Kaz in the ring after Rampage went off the air. And it's funny because they've got the microphones in their hand and they're swearing like crazy. Like uh, Christian Cage says, it's so effing great that you're here. You know, uh, Kazarian says, you know, it, it's great to be out here with you guys. Now let's, let's, you know, let's kick this mother effer into full gear. And Punk has a great line where he goes, actually the next pay-per-view is all out. That one's not till November. How is it you've been here since day one and I know that and you don't? which is a great, a great little exchange. Uh, but then the last thing, the last thing that he did, I thought was so good because we've been seeing it for so long to so many people who love to just bash AEW and bash any pro wrestling that they just find violates their code of ethics. Looking at you, Jim Cornette. Um, and the fact is he says, you know, if you liked what you saw here tonight, cool, share it, tweet it, post it, do whatever you want. And if you didn't like it, shut the fuck up. And then he just drops the microphone, which I thought was great. I'm just like, enough said. Enough said. Oh, wait. Not just, oh, to piggyback off of that, um, when, to draw back on Rampage when in the, in the United Center when he showed up about that fan that was crying. And this fan yeah. was with the, the uh, you know, the, him with Colin Flitch, and then a photo was being shared among people trying to use him to downplay wrestling. Punk, as the class act that he is, found this fan, and he made sure to let everyone know that if he was not wrestling, he'd be just like that fan, passionate about something he cares about. And he felt so fortunate that he cared, that this fan cared about him so much he was willing to well up and cry. And if nobody was really watching Rampage, he was so – Punk himself was so damn close to come to tears. So knowing that Punk shows that not only he appreciates the fans that care about them, he is willing to go out to bat for them. Yep. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is where it kind of wraps up here. We have we have really gone deep into this whole thing with CM Punk, the man who claims to be the best in the world, a former Ring of Honor world champion, a former ECW world champion, former Intercontinental champion, former WWE tag team champion, former three-time WWE world heavyweight champion, former two-time Mr. Money in the Bank, and former two-time WWE champion. 
The guy has done just about everything. He has his big match with All Out. I mean, you know, oh, <laughs> Travis here, Air in the chat says, uh, careful now, Cornette will block you like Brian Zane. Uh, Cornette's probably already blocked you right now. I don't care. But the point is, is that we now have the match set up. And I got to ask the question, Ryan, this Sunday, All Out, does oh. CM Punk versus Darby Allen open the show? That you got to wonder. Because, again, in Chicago, we know the crowd is going to be hyped as hell. Do we see Punk Darby open the show again to avoid the overwhelming chance of CM Punk throughout the entire arena so that nobody else feels like they're sitting out there giving their all, killing themselves when nobody else cares? Yeah. That is a very good, solid point. I mean, because it, it, there really is no way to break around that. I mean, obviously, if – I mean, in a sense with the Bucks, they have no problem putting together a show to where if they want to get the crowd wild, riled up, they'll give them the, they'll give them the certain – they'll give them the competitor they need to kick off the show. I mean, kind of like in double, like a double or nothing, uh, Hangman Page and Brian Cage kicked off the show, and that was a crowd that was hot for Hangman Page. And then, yeah. of course, at Revolution, the Bucks were kicked off the show because – even though the big match was the exploding barbed wire death match, it was obvious that the Bucks needed to get the, the fans riled up. So yeah. I think on a 55 to 45 odd scaling, I will say Darby and Punk opens the show. Okay. 55 over 45. All right. Hey, I mean, I, I I would say I'm willing to go. I'm probably willing to go 60, 40 at this point. Cause I'm not sure. But again, uh, it all just depends. Now, Obviously, I don't think there's any prizes for guessing CM Punk goes over. I mean, it's his first match back in a American televised wrestling ring on pay-per-view in seven years. There's no way he's not going over. But saying that, we both know Darby Allen can look good in defeat no matter who he's up against. That And depending on how they book this, too, we could have another situation to where Darby pushes Punk to a draw. And that could yeah, be a draw. Yeah. There's honestly there's no I think AEW knows that they're backed into a corner because no matter what, this this crowd is gonna be hot for CM Punk. If CM Punk loses, the crowd's gonna hate that. Or if Punk goes to a draw, the crowd may dislike that. I think to me they have to work on getting the crowd getting the crowd to a certain point to where they'll be happy with the finish. Exactly. But again, I, both of those guys are over as hell. So Either way, and by the time that match is over, Dar there's not going to be a single person who doesn't look at Darby Allen as a main eventer once that freaking match is done. Like, absolutely no way. No, and people are going to try to detract or try to attack Darby Allen because he gets put over or the fact that Punk wants to put him over. You guys need to shut up because you got Punk back. Don't ruin this, okay? Don't be like, oh, my God, Punk comes back, and the first thing he does is put Darby Allen over. What the fuck do you expect? This is WWE. Of course, WWE would put the returning talent over the young talent. AEW has proven that even if the more veteran players can be can beat the younger guys, they're gonna book them in a way to where not only does it make sense, but you're gonna enjoy the story. Um, one thing I did like, I mean, when Malachi Black, I mean, for Cody Rhodes, Cody has been one of the biggest one of the biggest biggest examples of no matter what storyline you're putting against him. When it comes with the big match, he goes over. I, the only few times he he did not go over was against MJF, uh, Brody Lee, 
and now with Malachi Black, three people. Because we've seen look because of look at who Cody Rhodes was able to I mean and and Jericho, but Jericho didn't need the rub. No, Jericho didn't need it, but MJF got over big to cl- yep. close out their feud. And then once Cody Rhodes went for the TNT championship, what happened? He beats Lance Archer, who everyone was expecting to win. And then every time he puts up week by week, all this new young talent that came in, we got the debut of Ricky Ricky Starks, the debut of Eddie Kingston, who of course not many people knew, Warhorse, who didn't sign with AEW, but he did impress many fans. And yep. seeing how Cody still got himself over all this talent. And then finally what happened with Brody. I mean, he went over Orange Cassidy, who was on a skyrocket of his own. So the fact that Cody Rhodes, no matter what, even though you get great matches from him, you always had that, I won't say a pit in your stomach or a simple dread, but you kind of always knew that he was going to go over. So when we did get that moment when Brody Lee squashed him, that broke everybody so when cody did come back and regain the championship you 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 still like the result of that match because he put on a great match against brody lee and then another great series of two fights against orange cassidy and then finally when he did drop the darby allen you were like you know what we got so many good tnt defenses and matches out of cody rhodes we're okay with him well you're not okay you're ecstatic when he does drop the belt again to Darby Allen, then you see the run Darby goes on. So yeah, it's just one of the downsides. When you have two great, when you have two wrestlers you want to see go over, you're going to have to swallow the hard, bitter pill that one of them is going to go over. Just, just make sure, but you also want to be happy that you got to see this match. It's almost this dream pairing that you don't get to see even in the Indies. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us here today, folks. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a hell, hell of a night. Um, And this has been a hell of a long time coming. It really, really has. But we're so happy to be here, so happy to be back. And I'll tell you where else we're going to be happy to be back. The Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Triple Whammy, October 21st through the 25th. I will be there. Ryan will be there. Brenton will be there. We will have an absolute blast in hell. We may do a show from the boat itself, sitting at the bar, enjoying a couple of Mai Tais. It doesn't matter, but we are going to have a great, great time. It's going to be kicking off Miami to Grand Bahama, again, October 21st through the 25th. I believe there are still a few cabins available if you are uh, if you are interested. I know a couple of people are having to cancel out of nowhere, this, that, or the other. So go ahead, if you can, go to the Chris Jericho uh, Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. It's uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Go ahead and see if you can book yourself a, uh, a nice little stateroom. It's very, I mean, very, very limited selection. And again, we're less yeah. than two months away. We're about 53 days left, I think, until yeah, that time. Be, yeah, when you sign up for this, you have to you have to be sure that you're going to be able to do this. Uh, commit to this. Yes. Not just pay off the room, but also be able to buy the plane ticket. Because the state, when it comes with the cruise, they want to make sure you mean business, especially since we're two months away. I mean, last thing they less, want is you yeah. sign up, and then all of a sudden, by the time your deadline comes, you're five, six hundred dollars behind, and then you got to cancel mm-hmm. because then you're kind of just it's it's not like you're making a fool out of yourself. It's just more of okay, who can we choose next? Because they want to, they want to. It's businesses are coming back up. They want to be able yeah. to provide. They want to be able to at least get you know. You know, sales numbers and yes. all that stuff. Make sure, but again, make sure that you can pay off the room. Make sure you can pay for plane tickets, all of that kind of stuff, hotel fare, whatever. Also, you if you do want to go on the Chris Jericho cruise, you must have a double dose of a vaccination for COVID-19 yes. before you go on the cruise. You have to have had your second dose within two weeks before the sale date. You also need to pass 
and COVID antigen test when you get there. So there are a lot of red tape there doing everything that they can to make sure that we can have the best vacation possible. Also, if you needed any more motivation for maybe potentially wanting to do this, it's a cruise at sea, four days with a lot of great professional wrestlers, including yes. Chris Jericho, including the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. Yes, he will be there as the guest of honor. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels, Boom Boom Colt Cabana, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Rock and Roll Express, Badass Billy Gunn, Dean Malenko, Shug D, a.k.a. Pineapple Pete, Bully Ray, Brad Williams, Medusa. So many great people are going to be there. Go ahead and go online. Again, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If you still want to sign up, there are very limited spaces available. Do so at this time. And, hey, you may be able to come and see us, take a picture, hang out, talk some wrestling. It's going to be a good amount of fun. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us here tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. If you are watching this on YouTube, go ahead and like, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. It helps us out with the algorithm. Hit that little notify bell so that way you know when our new episodes come out. You can watch us live, comment in the chat. We love to interact with our fans. Also, if you are listening to us on any of the other podcast apps, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anything like that, go ahead. Find us, subscribe, leave us a review. It helps us out. It boosts the morale of the show, and it gets us out there to more and more sponsors because we'd like to be able to do that. We'd like to bring these to you guys free, but, of course, obviously the Internet and everything else isn't free to do that. So in order to keep it that way, we need to kind of build up our rep a little bit. Granted, we'd still do this if it wasn't paid for because it's just a ton of fun. But, again, we want to be able to keep doing this long term, so, hey, whatever you want to do. In any case, thank you guys so much for joining us. We have rambled. We have raged, but it has all been for the love of professional wrestling. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time. And until then, hey, ref, ring the bell, will you? See you next time, folks. <laughs>